You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning. Good morning. Merry Christmas. So I've been uh, thinking about this morning, I mean, uh, thinking about this year, and uh, it went by fast, right, didn't it? And uh, it was a great year. I don't know how it was for you, but uh, about eight months ago, I got married in April. And it flew by. I can't believe it's already April. And I'm, uh, excuse me, already uh, December. So look, that's how fast it went. I'm already thinking about April. And um, it's crazy because it's kind of fun. We just, we're newlyweds. And so um, everything is kind of new. It's our first holidays together. It's our first 4th of July. It's our first um, Thanksgiving. She had to work, but it was still our first Thanksgiving. Uh, she's a nurse at Huntington Beach Hospital. And so she had to pick either work Thanksgiving or work Christmas. And since she's at the bottom of the totem pole, we chose Christmas. So, um, so we got our first Christmas tree yesterday. So it's our first of everything. We got our little humble tree. It's about this tall. And we put it in the corner, and we put lights and the stars. So we're excited to build new culture and new traditions, and I'm just excited. Um, but uh, just before uh, I get started, if you guys know me, you guys know that um, I'm a big movie buff. Right? I love movies. You might know that. You might not know that. But I am the definition, Davida knows that, I am the definition of the movie buff. Um, and so before we start, I want to kind of play a quick game with you guys. Um, actually, you know what? My wife and I, we have something called the AMC A-List. Anyone's heard of that? Who's heard of that? If you don't know what AMC A-List, I highly encourage you to check it out. So it's $20 a month. Any AMC theater, you can watch three movies a week in any format. So you pay a monthly, literally a monthly uh, fee. I'm not a marketer. I don't get paid, I, even though I should get paid, because I've converted a lot of my friends uh, to it. And you pay $20 flat to watch three movies a week. Right? And so it's going up in January. Um, but I say that because movies are a big part of my life. And it was a big part of my dating relationship with Norris. Three-fourths of our dating relationship, relationship was at the movie theater. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying that because she's not here in Kids' Kingdom. She's in Kids' Kingdom. Um, she's like, no, it wasn't. Um, but um, movies are a big deal for me. And so I want to see if we can be friends and see how close we can be. And I want to test, <laughs> test your movie knowledge. So before I do this test here, uh, I do want to tell you on the front side that this is not an easy test, but it's not really a, a super hard test either. It's kind of in the middle. It's an intermediate level. So some for you, it might be really easy. Some of you guys, it might be really hard. So you have to tell me the name of the movie and what scene it is, OK? Like what's going on really quickly. So here's the first one. What movie is this? All right, and where are they? Do you guys know? Yeah, who said it? Mose Eisley Cantina, right, in the Planet of Tattooing. That's good. Okay, so we got some Star Wars fans. All right, here we go. Steve's not here. He would have got that right away. <laughs> the next one here, what is this? So Lord of the Rings, it's in a lot of few of their movies. It's, what is it called? The Shire, right? During The Hobbit. Okay, that's where all the little people stay. Okay? The little guys who I love. Now, this is kind of tricky. You guys might get it wrong. Wow, I heard it. What was it? You guys are really good because other people would have thought it's the other movie. Uh, what is it called? Um, no, not the Karate Kid. Uh, that's the other Asian guy. Uh, the same actor is in the movie, um, what is it? The Goonies. But Brian, I heard Brian got it right. It's actually The Temple of Doom. Indiana Jones. And if you don't remember this scene, then you might remember this one. Oh. The Temple of the Doom, right? It's kind of blurry, but 
He's eating monkey brains. And he's getting ready to eat different things. And what about this one for all the younger people? All right, what, what, is, what, is, what is that? Okay, it's a Patronus. So the teens got it. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's a Patronus, right? It emits light. So you guys are pretty good. I'm very surprised. Good job. Well, guys, this movie, these movies have made millions and millions of dollars, right? These are top box office, right? And they have the craziest fans in the world, right? Harry Potter fans are crazy. They're, they know everything. Indiana Jones, they're crazy. Star Wars fans, right? They know they're crazy. So I want to ask you, why do you think we're drawn to these type of movies? What do you guys think? You know, is it the special effects? Is it the story? Is it the characters? You know, it might be all of those things, but really, when I honestly think about it, all these movies have something in common, and that's a sense of adventure. They're exciting. You know, we live vicariously through these characters. I, was, I, I wish I was a Jedi. You know, I wish I had a, a Jedi uh, a lifesaver, right? I, I live through these characters. And um, think about it. You know, when, when you even think about traveling, why do we love to travel? Because we love the adventure. We go to places that we've never been before, uh, we record everything, right? I don't know if you guys are one of those people that record everything. You take a picture of your Instagram food, of what you conquered, or the hike that you went on. You know, we're, we're, we want this exciting adventure, don't we? And, and there's a quote here that I love. It says, don't die without embracing the daring adventure your life was meant to be. And this quote really resonates with me because, you know, when you think about it, you know, when we were kids, <laughs> We grow up, you know, we wanted to be something exciting, right? The, uh, you know, an astronaut or a doctor or something that we can do to change the world, right? You know, we don't, you know, grow up as little kids thinking, oh, I want to work in 9 to 5. Or I want to just work and just make money so I can pay bills. We want this idea of, of living this excitement, uh, exciting life. And you know what? The same thing, that's what God intended Christianity to be. You know, but if we're not careful, I think we can end up being like this guy. Mr. Ned Flanders, right? I like this guy. I have, I have nothing bad against him, but I, he is that typical uh, Christian, right? He's that mundane Christianity that, that lives, that's super religious. Um, he's really legalistic, right? And he's kind of the safe Christian. Um, and I, I'm afraid that, you know, sometimes without realizing it, we can live this subpar mundane Christianity if we're not careful. Amen? So there's a difference, guys, between having the Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean this cliche like, hey, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm fired up. It's, it's more about listening to the Spirit's prompting. It's are you engaged with the Holy Spirit? So how do you know if someone is filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And those are my three points today. Okay, it's in this verse. You know, this was Paul's Timothy, a charge to Timothy. You know, he, he didn't just preach it, though. The funny thing is he actually lived this way, too. So today we're going to study out two people in the Bible. It's Paul and Barnabas. And we're going to see what, it's, what it means to be living with, uh, uh, being filled with the Spirit. Amen? Amen? So no matter where we're at spiritually today, I want you guys to think about it. My hope for you today is that you guys can live lives full of the Spirit and live the lives that God intended. Okay? So I'm going to go ahead and say a quick prayer, and then we'll get started. Uh, dear Holy Father, uh, God, thank you for uh, just this time to be together uh, with my church family. Uh, grateful for everyone here and just the relationships that we have, God. Uh, we have just so many abundance of blessings that we have here, God, that we don't even realize. Thank you for allowing us to go to the South Bay Church, to live in this area, um, 
and uh, just to be able to worship together. Uh, God, I pray as you, uh, uh, we have this Bible study, God, that you can speak through me. I uh, pray that the Holy Spirit could really lead and guide me. I uh, pray that you can be with the rest of us, that you could uh, really just soften our hearts and really listen to what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. So I want to kind of do a quick overview. Ooh, that was a big gulp. Uh, that's the, I just bought this water bottle, and it has like the biggest hole to drink out of, so it's like all this water splashing. But um, I want to kind of do an overview. So we've had this sermon series on Acts, right? And we've been le- learning about kind of all these characters in the Bible and kind of what God has done through them. We learned about uh, Paul, Barnabas, uh, Timothy, John Mark. Uh, I-, I preached about Stephen the last time. And um, Steve- speaking about Stephen, you know, Stephen's death, his martyr, was actually the key because it allowed the, the disciples to kind of flee and go to different parts of the world that's never been preached to. And that, that was pivotal. And all these characters do amazing things, and they do all these awesome things for God, but really the main character of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see the same thing here. So we're going to go ahead and put, pick up in Acts chapter 13, if you guys can turn your Bibles. Um, we're not going to read verse 1 through 3, but I want to kind of catch you guys up on the context. So there was a, a group of disciples, and they were worshiping God. They were praying, and they were fasting, and... All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit prompted them to appoint Paul and Barnabas, his name was Saul at the time, to go on this special mission. They're going to go out, again, and spread the gospel to all the areas that haven't been preached before. So, you know, what, I thought about this, and I was like, why, why did they pick Paul and Barnabas? It's because I believe that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God's like, pick these two people, because these guys are powered up by the Spirit. So my first point for you guys today is the Holy Spirit gives power. Okay, the Holy Spirit gives power. So we're going to go ahead and turn into our, our, our Bible reading here, and we're going to pick up in verse 4 of Acts 13, and we'll go ahead and get started. So it says, so, Paul, so Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word, oh, that's kind of small there, sorry, of God. Uh, John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited uh, Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, a sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud and enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hands of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. You know, as Luke writes, you know, this, this book, the whole, he talks about how the Holy Spirit sweeps across every page in the book of Acts. He guides every step for the disciples, and he empowers them to do the impossible. 
So as Paul and Barnabas, you know, they, they get to this island of Cyprus, they're traveling, they're preaching from town to town, right? And they're telling everyone about God. They eventually reach the town of Paphos, right? That's what we read. And they got the attention of this governor, right? The governor, Sergius Paulus, who invited them to hear more about God. So the governor was curious. He's like, okay, I want to hear about this God that you speak of. But there was a problem. What happened? The sorcerer who was close to the governor got in the way, and he tried to manipulate what was going on. So as Paul and Barnabas were trying to preach to the governor, he got the, 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 the sorcerer got in his ear and tried to tell him false things. So in verse 9, it says, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye and basically rebuked him, calling him, hey, you're the son of the devil. Stop, you know, proclaiming false lies. You know, lots of, you know, I think it's just amazing, you know, whenever we try to do great things for God, there's always opposition, isn't there? Always. And when you look at the power of the Holy Spirit and what it enabled Paul to do, it, it was great. And let me explain. You know, back in those days, sorcerers were very powerful men. They were very influential. Maybe not nowadays, because we could look them up on Facebook. But back in those days, they were big. You know, the bigger their demonstration, the more power they kind of try to show, the more, I guess, they wowed the crowd. All right? It was evident in the time of Moses. Remember in the book of Exodus? when um, Moses was facing that Egyptian sorcerer, and even to this book now, um, they had a lot of influence. You know, the, the sorcerers used their powers to kind of persuade people. That's the power that they use, all this magic. And it seems to be the case here. And if you think about it, I, I was kind of thinking about the history of the relationship between the governor and the sorcerer. You know, they probably were kind of close. They kind of probably built this trust for years, right? You know, the sorcerer was kind of his right-hand man. And Elimus had the full trust of the governor. And if you guys look in verse 7, it's, I think Luke didn't put it in there by accident, but he said that the governor was an intelligent man. So he was not a fool, right? So evidently, the sorcerer had this great impact on him, right? But what happened? As Elimus was trying to persuade the governor, when Paul basically rebuked him, the, the governor, I'm sorry, the Elimus, the sorcerer, he became blind, right? And when he became blind, this powerful figure, the governor was like, whoa, that's crazy. Because this guy that I had such a close tie with, this guy that I had a lot of confidence in, all of a sudden went blind. So he realized that the Holy Spirit's power was greater than the sorcerer's, right? And that's what made him a believer, and that's what the Holy Spirit does, guys. Think, just kind of think about it. It transforms the way you think, right, doesn't it? Even though he had all this confidence, it broke that. You know, when you receive the Holy Spirit after baptism, don't you guys remember all the things that you guys used to have confidence in, right? The things that you guys used to place your security and your confidence in. And when Jesus came into the picture, he flipped the whole world upside down, didn't he? That's kind of what's going on here. You know, even Jesus said, hey, I have to leave and die here so that you guys can have something powerful, and that's the Holy Spirit. You know, in the Greek, uh, the word for power is actually uh, dunamis, and it's the root word in our English word called dynamite, okay? And uh, it's actually used over 120 times in the New Testament. But I was trying to figure out, so why is dunamis, why is power in the Greek dynamite? What does dynamite do? It blows things up, right? And it does it well, right? You don't want to be around when there's dynamite exploding, right? And 
that's what the governor's life kind of happened. His, his life just kind of got flipped upside down. Everything he knew about God just kind of exploded and just like, whoa. Like, I, I can't believe this is real. You know, that only comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, guys. You know, when I was in the campus ministry, um, and I was studying the Bible, actually. I wasn't a disciple of Christ yet. I remember uh, we went to my first event, and it was a game night. And at the game night, I just remember seeing all these people having fun. There was no alcohol. Nobody was getting drunk. Uh, nobody was smoking marijuana. Those were all the parties that I used to go to. So when it was game night, it was that and marijuana and, and drinking and everything else. So when I went, I was like, wow, everyone's really having fun. And it's, they're not influenced by anything, but just by each other's love. And I remember meeting these brothers, and I was like, wow, these are really great, awesome guys. But I was still very judgmental. I was like, there's no way that these guys are having fun this way. And uh, I went to the movie theaters with them. I remember that year, the Transformer movie came out, the first one. We got some Transformer fans? And I went, and this movie, it was great. It was a lot of fun, a lot of action-packed. And then I remember the, the lead actress, her name is Megan Fox. She went on, and she had really, like, short shorts, and she got on this motorcycle. And I was just watching it, and all of a sudden, I see all the brothers, like, in unison, like, look the other way. And I was like, this is kind of kind of awkward, because they're looking my way. I was like, <laughs> they're looking over, are they looking, uh, why are they looking over here? And I kept looking at the screen, like, why aren't they looking? And I kept looking, and they're just kind of, like, covering their eyes. I'm like, this is so weird. This is so, uh, so foreign to me. It was so countercultural at the time. I was like, guys don't do this. They actually want to look for this kind of stuff, right? I look for that kind of stuff. So when I saw that, it just won me over. I feel like I, I just have more of a sense of respect for these guys because I'm like, these guys are really living the life of what a disciple is supposed to be. And I, that really struck with me. I, I was like, maybe this Christian thing is for real. You know, maybe people can really live this way. And that's only because of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, but I think as disciples, sometimes, you know, we get so busy and we live our day-to-day -day that we forget how the Holy Spirit has transformed us, right? And so I want to just, this is just as an encouraging reminder during the holidays, you know, how has the Holy Spirit's power transformed you in ways you could never change him? Think about that. It, it will really encourage you. Uh, something that kind of encouraged me was um, after my wedding, because, you know, Steve officiated my wedding, and he said, you know, this is their first kiss. I remember the whole audience shocked if you were there. They're like, what? My family's like, come on, tell the truth, Daniel. Like, my coworkers are like, is that real? And I'm like, I told them I'm very serious. They couldn't believe it. But that wasn't me in, you know, when I was in a disciple. Kissing was always on the first day. It was not, you don't kiss. And so to not have kissed or been impure for our dating relationship of three years shocked people. And that's not because of me, and I'm not trying to lift myself up, but it's really the Holy Spirit's power, amen? So I want you guys to think about what it's done for you. And if you're a guest and you're like, what is this Holy Spirit that he's talking about? You know, I want to encourage you. Maybe if you, you have some time uh, to open up the Bible. You know, maybe to come with us and we can read it together. Um, if you're free after church, you know, we would love to go to lunch with you. There's a great uh, little uh, Thai spot right here. Uh, you know, a lot of disciples go there. So uh, we would love to kind of open up the Bible and share our lives together. Amen. My second point today is Holy Spirit gives love. The Holy Spirit gives love. And we're going to talk about that today. So let's go ahead and read on a little bit further. Um, you know, I kind of skipped it, but you guys can go back and read it during your times with God. But he talks about the whole history of kind of what happened um, of 
all those times God tried to reach out and they didn't listen. So we're going to pick up in verse 44. It says, the following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them, preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever, whatever he, he said. That Paul and Barnabas spoke out of the boldly and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourself unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. Uh, all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread through that region. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city and incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium, and the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And the passage before this, Paul was actually preaching at the synagogues, and his sermon was so good, they wanted him to come back the next week, right? Um, and they were just fired up about what he was preaching about. And at first, you know, they were welcomed. Everyone loved him. But when the Jews started hearing this and they saw all these large crowds, they started getting jealous. And they start, you know, basically saying, hey, you know, they're trying to basically argue against Paul and Barnabas. And then Paul and Barnabas reply, what did he say? He goes, hey, we tried to bring the gospel to you first, all right, but you guys didn't want to listen, right? So we're now going to preach to the Gentiles. So the Jews were jealous about that, but the Gentiles, they got fired up. They were excited, right? But eventually, the words got, I mean, they, the, the Jews were so jealous that they influenced the leaders around that town, and they started a mob, and they got kicked out of the city. And when Paul and Barnabas got rejected, they shook the dust out of their feet the dust out of their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the next town. And basically when it says, you know, shake the dust out of your feet, it's basically shake the dust out, move on to the next open person. You did all that you could, right? I don't know about you guys, but, you know, when I think about their lives, you know, I don't know how you guys take it, but rejection is never easy, right? I don't care who you are or how confident you are. Um, you know, even to this day when I share my faith, I'm like, dang. Sometimes they don't give me a time of the day. I'm like, hey, do you want to? No, I'm not interested. I'm like, okay. Um, it, it could be discouraging. And I'm sure it was still a discouraging time for the apostles. You know, um, but they were over, able to overcome the slander, the rejection, the gossip. I wonder how. You know, I, when I think about these disciples, I kind of first thought why, you know, God picked Paul and God picked Barnabas to go on that journey together. You know, I think about their personalities. Paul's personality, think about it. On his own, he's naturally, what, a respectable guy, isn't he? He's, his resume is packed. He was definitely a type A personality, they call it. He was a great leader. He was a great speaker. He was a great trainer. Even before he became a disciple, when he was Saul, he was good at his job. He was passionate, right? He was arresting Christians. He was locking them up. But despite that, you know, despite his strong personality, Paul needed disciples around him to influence him, to love him, right? No matter, and soften him up and strengthen him up in the areas that he was weak at. You know, no matter how great or talented we are, we always need a Barnabas in our life. We need someone in the fight with us. And that's where Barnabas comes in at, uh, to the picture. You know, his real name before he became Barnabas was actually, you guys know it? Joseph, someone said it, right? But I truly believe his name was changed 
to Barnabas because he was so encouraging. You know, it, it even says in the scriptures that Barnabas sold his land where he lived and took that money and put it at the apostles' feet to help him financially. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if I'm willing to sell my place where I live or my land if I had some <laughs> and then put it at Brian Craig's house. I mean, uh, his feet. Like, hey, bro, I just want to support my land and help you with your music. And I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big sacrifice, right? We live in California. We live in South Bay. For Barnabas just to do that because he cared so much about the disciples, it shows a lot. He was so generous and he was sacrificial. He was actually known to be the son of encouragement. He's the guy that everyone loves to be around. You know, you ever have a bad day and you just have this attitude and you're around someone, you're like, man, I just feel a lot better now, right? That's who Barnabas is. There's a few people like that, right? So why together? You know, Paul was strong by himself. He's a great leader, but he still needs someone like Barnabas. You know, we can be leaders at work. We can be leaders at home, at school. And there's certain strength to that, but we also need our Barnabas, who's our kind, supportive, who kind of helps fill in the gaps. You know, they kind of complemented each other. You know, don't you guys have friendships like that? Yeah. Like, they're so different, and that's why I love them, right? Especially during the, the tough times. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12, it says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Amen. You know, I think about people in the Bible that are paired together, who demonstrated a spirit of love. I think about Paul and Barnabas. I think about David and Jonathan. I think about Paul and Timothy, Moses and Aaron, Ruth and Naomi, Jonathan and the armor bearer. They all had somebody close, and they all had the spirit of love. And they were so powerful together. You know, these people had each other through the good, the bad, and the ugly, all right? You know, I want to show you guys a picture of my groomsmen. Yeah, you look kind of good there, right? <laughs> pictures are good. The pictures did a great job, the photographers. But these are my mighty men of God here, you know, from left to right. You know, that's Hector Perez. He leads uh, one of the Latin ministries in Orange County. You know, we have such a close relationship from the campus. Uh, to the right of him is Clay Kenworthy, you know, him and Yana Kenworthy, Lead the team ministry in Long Beach. Uh, Chris Stanton on my right, he's in the downtown Long Beach ministry. And he's been my friend since the very beginning. Uh, to the right of him is my little brother. I don't know if he looks like me, but he's taller than me. And that's my little big brother. Uh, that's me on there. And then it's Tommy Tang. That was my best man in my wedding. Um, he's actually moving to San Diego. Uh, to, he just took a job there. So he'll be moving at the end of the year uh, for the San Diego church. Uh, Juan Vasquez, Vasquez, actually my spiritual twin. We got baptized at the same time in the same water. And my roommate. Andrew Desario, I don't know where he is, but he's here somewhere as well. We got really close in the team ministry together when we were leading out here together. And uh, Joe Perez, you guys probably know that guy, right? Um, but these are my mighty men of God. I feel like these are guys that have seen my good, the bad, and the ugly. We've been there when times were good. Uh, we've been there when we were sinful. Um, and I, I just remember that we fought for each other. And, and there's times in your walk with God and your walk with your friendships that there's different seasons, right? I was actually one of the later ones to get married. And I remember, man, all my best friends got married, and they left me. <laughs> they don't call me anymore. They don't text me. And I'm like, I, I just feel so alone. But it was good for me to push through. You know, I, sometimes I have to be the one who initiated more. Right? There's different seasons of that. Or sometimes they don't return your call. You got, you got to... Continue at it. Amen? And I just want to lift them up. And so I want to ask you guys, how do we form this bond? 
Well, it took a lot of time. We were in each other's lives. Now, we weren't just Facebook friends. We still loved each other through hurt feelings. And I love it because now we get to celebrate all kinds of milestones. I was the last one to get married. You know, like that movie called, what is it, 28 Dresses or something? I was like 28 suits or 28 tuxes because everyone kept asking me at every wedding, when are you getting married? Everybody, even some of you guys here in this church. But I, I love how we can celebrate milestones together. You know, the first one to get pregnant, the first one to have kids, or your first this. And it's such amazing to have these kind of people in your life. I would not trade them for anything. So I want to ask you guys, do you have people in your life like this? Do you have people in your life that you can call and talk to? And maybe that you do. Maybe you have these Paul and Barnas relationships. You know, if you're good in this department, I want to encourage you to keep it up. You know, that's what's going to keep us going. But some of us also at the same time, we, we have a lot of friends, but we feel, still feel lonely. I think we can still feel like, oh, I, just not, I don't feel close to anyone. You know, I think if you have to ask yourself, if I still feel lonely and in this group of, you know, this amazing group of disciples here, I think you have to ask yourself, am I experiencing the love the Spirit intended? You know, and what do I mean? I think love goes two ways. The way you receive love and the way you give love. Some of us have a hard time receiving love, right, for whatever reason. We don't allow others to love us or take care of us. We don't want others to depend on us, right? We don't want that. We don't want to think that, you know, tell people, hey, we're not strong. So we don't let other people love us or invite us in. And the flip side, some of us have a hard time loving others or giving love. You know, we love when it's easy, but when it gets hard or when love is not reciprocated, when they don't call you back or text you back, we stop. Right? And I, I don't think that when we do that, you know, that's conditional love, guys. It's not spirit-filled love. So I want to encourage you to push through. These friendships are worth it. God wants you to have the spirit-filled love. Amen? Amen. And speaking of friendships and speaking of, you know, all this stuff, you know, I want to talk about holidays. You know, we're in the holiday season. And holidays are such a great time, right? Celebrate it with all your loved ones. But it could also be a tough time for some of us. You know, it's a time where, you know, we lost someone or it just reminds us of, you know, happy memories that we don't have anymore. Uh, maybe we lost someone close to us or something tragic happened. You know, it can be discouraging and even lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of love. And one of the greatest things you can do, I think, is living out Christianity within the church. You know, so I have an application here for you guys. You know, for families, you know, if you guys have a family, you know, I want you guys, I want to encourage you to reach out to people who you know will be alone during the holidays. Reach out. That means so much. You know, I want to just take this time and lift up Holly Toomey. Uh, she probably, I don't know if she remembers this, but in the team ministry, she came up to me. It was Mother's Day. She came up to me after service. We're in the big auditorium. She's like, hey, are you, Daniel, are you doing anything today? And I was like, oh, I'm, I was going to go do something. She's like, well, my family's taking me out for Mother's Day, and I wanted to see if you wanted to come with us. And I was like, just blown away by Holly. Like, no one's ever asked, that, you know, asked me that before. You know, my mom, you know, I didn't see my mom since I was age 10, and literally no one's ever asked me that question. And I was just like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Like, somebody was thinking about me during Mother's Day about me and my, you know, my relationship with my mom. And something so simple, I, I couldn't go. Um, it would have been cool to go with the Toomeys. I couldn't go that day, but that does a lot for you. Yeah. And so families, I want to encourage you guys, you know, if you have an extra seat at your table, you know, ask a single person to go with you amen. or ask a team leader, amen? amen. Um, on the flip side, guys, if you're alone, if you're on the single side and your family's far away, 
No, it doesn't have to be that way either. Um, you know, have the humility to reach out. You know, I, I know it can kind of be weird, but I want to encourage you guys to push through it. You know, say, hey, you know, I'm going to be kind of alone during the, the, the season. And, you know, do you guys have an extra spot or do you know anywhere I might be able to go? Amen? Because in the holiday season, Satan can really use that time to attack us, but it really shouldn't be that time. All right? It should be a time that the Holy Spirit love can be felt by everyone. Amen? My final point today for you guys is the Holy Spirit gives self-discipline. The Holy Spirit gives self-discipline. In Acts chapter 14, verse 8, it says, While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man who, with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up! And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they showed, excuse me, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are from gods, or excuse me, are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was Greek, with the Greek god Zeus, and Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town, so the priests of the temple and the crowd brought bowls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates, and they preached to the offer sacrifice to the apostles. But when the, apostle, when the apostles, Paul and Barnabas, heard what had happened, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran among the people, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely humans just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God, who have made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops, and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch in Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. The next day he left with Barnabas and left for Derby. This is crazy, right? I mean, this is a, when I read this, I was like, oh, my. It just reminded me of how crazy this story is. You know, so they got to the next town. They got to Lystra, and they saw this crippled guy who's been crippled since birth. And Paul saw that he had faith to be healed, and he got healed. This guy, this crippled guy, got up and started walking, all right? And when they started walking, they got, the dif they got a different reaction this time, all right? All the people started worshiping him like they're these Greek gods, <laughs> Zeus and Hermes. And Paul was like, uh, this is not what I intended it to happen. Uh, guys, I'm not these Greek gods. And he even told them there's only one God. But the people still didn't believe him, unfortunately. And they kept sacrificing to Paul and Barnabas despite their protests. Eventually, some Jews from the other towns, they came and they heard what was going on, and they convinced the crowd to stone Paul. They, they convinced them. But the crazy thing here is, after Paul got stoned, right, what happened? He got back up. Guys, you guys ever been stoned? I hope not. Have you ever been hit by a rock? Man, when I was a little kid, I was a boy, those things hurt. Sometimes they're sharp, sometimes they're heavy. And we're, when little boys are bad, I, just, we just, I don't know why we did that, but we'd have like rock fights. And they're painful. You know, I was, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm done after one. I can't imagine them lining up and throwing stones at Paul. 
and Paul taking it, and then actually they thought he was dead. So imagine how hard the stoning was for them to think that he was dead. They thought he was dead, and they dragged him out of town and left him. So all of a sudden, Paul gets back up, right? And it's crazy to me. I'm just like, how the heck did he do that? You know, I just saw the movie Creed 2. I told you I was a movie buff. And uh, when Adonis Creed, he gets knocked down, everyone's like, get back up, Adonis, get back up. Get up, you can do it, get up. I don't think the disciples were telling him, hey, man, you can do it, get back up. I think they're just like, whoa. When, they, when he got back up, I think they were probably surprised. And I don't think they were encouraging him to go to the next town. They're probably like, hey, man, take it easy. Right? This is not a real fight. But Paul was able to do this on his own. And that's what the Spirit does. It gives you this power of self-discipline. Right? And really, it's the culmination of all of them, but the whole, the, uh, of, of power, of love, and I think self-discipline kind of puts it all together. You know, I, 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 I remember that passage. You know, we're not going to turn there, but it's, God said to Paul, hey, you're going to suffer for my name. You're going to be an instrument. You're going to be a light to the Gentiles. And I think that's what Paul was thinking in his head. No one was telling him to get up, but he's like, man, I got to get up. I got to be an example. I got to be God's instrument. You know, a lot of us, when we became Christians, we, we knew what we were signing up for. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. We knew there was going to be opposition, didn't we? And I think this reminds me of Paul when God says, hey, Paul, you're going to suffer for my name. I think it's the same thing for us as disciples. You know, self-discipline is when you don't need approval or validation. You know, there comes a time when you need solid food and not milk, okay? And, you know, you feel compelled by the Spirit and not from the approval of people. Remember that time when you were a young Christian and you weren't going through, you were going through a difficult time and then somebody older in the faith came over you and put their arm around you and helped you? You know, we, we needed those times. But eventually you come to a time when you get, you know, when you start eating solid food and you start maturing in the faith that you're going to have to stand up for your own faith. And you're going to have to dig down and have the self-discipline to keep going. The fact that all the apostles got martyred, to me that's crazy. You know, they all reached this pinnacle of spirituality, I believe, like dying for your faith. Like, man, they had a lot of self-discipline. You know, I have to even question myself, can I do that? You know, even if your closest friends fall away or, or leave God in the church, you know, do you have the self-discipline and your love for God to stay? All right, these are good questions. And I think self-discipline, is that, that's the thing that made Paul great, is that he preached it, but he also lived it. All right, and um, I, sorry, I, want, I was thinking out here, out loud here, but I think, you know, in the toughest times, I'm not saying that we can't rely on friendships and relationships, but I think there comes a time where it, it really is between just you and God, and I think what has to motivate you is kind of like the love for God, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit, what he's done for you, and like what you're giving up on if you do that. You know, some of my close friends have left the church, and it's, like, broken my heart. I'm just like, man. And there were some, some of them that fell away were great leaders in the church. And I was like, what? You were in one of my Bible studies. And it, it, it does hit a blow to your faith a little bit. I'm just like, whoa. But, you know, I think that's a time that we all eventually will hit if you haven't been there and think, like, man, why am I still here? All right? And, you know, I want to show you guys a few pictures here as I get ready to close. You know, we always have these warning signs on the road, right? And stop, wrong way, do not enter, right? Why do you think they say that? Yeah, 
That's not good, right? It's warning you. Let's look at a couple more. No climbing over a railing. There's even a picture with the guy. Do not do that, right? Well, I wonder why. It's probably because somebody's walked, probably climbed over and fell off before or got hurt. What about this one? Shark sighted, no swimming. Some of you guys don't like going into the ocean anyways, but all right, that might mean there might be sharks in there. And some of us, we don't listen to science, so we really might need this one. Danger, road washed out, extreme drop off. Turn around now with a picture of the rock and the trajectory of the car. We might need that, some of us are just that stubborn. But all of these are just warning signs. The reason why they're guardrails or this road, there's signs that say, hey, there's ice ahead, is to warn you of danger. It's probably because someone has gotten hurt before or someone has died, right? You know, I just want to lift up our full-time staff. Everyone's not here, but the Craigs, the Marichis, the Peckmans, I don't know where they're at. Um, oh, they're sick, okay. <laughs> I hope they're watching this. Because, I mean, I just want to really encourage them. I'm, I'm on staff as well, part-time. And it's a lot of work, guys. It's a lot of work. Uh, sometimes I do more work in my part-time job than my secular job. And I'm full-time in my secular job. And just the demands of the ministry, of the late-night calls, the text messages, there's always a problem. And, and I, I just feel like it's a lot of work. And I just really respect the people on staff because... Sometimes in our meetings, I think, I'm like, man, what would they be doing if they were not on full time, right? Right? I know Steve and Jack would be making a lot more money somewhere else. I know that Craig Bryan would be a legitimate rock star somewhere, <laughs> right? Be, I'm sure he'd be into music or something else. The Peckmans, you know, they're, they're young like myself, but they'll be making more money in a secular job and more for their family. So when I think about that, they sacrifice a lot for the ministry. Right. It's a lot of work. And they cannot do it without the Holy Spirit's power of self-discipline. Amen? So as I kind of preface this here, I want to kind of challenge you guys here, especially during the holiday season. And by no means am I perfect. I'm still a work in progress, and I have to work in any, every one of these categories that I'm about to talk to you about. And I'm still trying to make my body a temple and, and basically make it a temple for God. And... I'm going to mention some things here, but as I stand here preaching, since I am preaching about the Holy Spirit, I'd rather hurt you with the truth Amen. than comfort you with a lie, right? So I hope that God can tattoo these things into your heart, amen, during the holidays. So this, you don't have to answer this out loud. This is a self-assessment during the holidays. Ready? Self-assessment, assessment, self-discipline assessment during the holidays. Time. If you go back to all the holidays in recent memory, how did you use your free time? Right, you're not going to be able to know right away. Kind of think about it. How did I use my last five Christmases? How did you use your free time? How can you use your time better this year? And I'm all for, like, guys, I'm not saying, like, it's bad to, like, binge watch on Netflix. I do that all the time. You know, I just caught up on The Walking Dead. Um, so no one can give me any spoilers. But I think it's the whole big picture, right? Like, how did you use your full big picture? If it was a pie chart, how much of that time is for me? All right? How much time was it for me? Was Netflix this much or was it like this much or this much? And how much time was it spending with your kids? How much time was it studying the Bible? How much time was it doing something for someone else? Amen? So only you know that. I don't know the answer to that. But only you know what you can do better. Amen? Oops, sorry. There's number two, money spent. So every one of these is the same kind of thing. How did you spend your money the last five holidays? All right? 
How did you spend it? Was it a lot on presents, on myself, on my wife? And it's okay. Those are, those are okay, again. But I think it's that whole ratio thing again. I think if you took a pie chart, how much of that was spent on other people or people that uh, wasn't just in your circle? Okay? And the last one is health. It's easy to forget about our health, I think, during the holidays. And, um, you know, I'm guilty of it. I'm like, man, I deserve this. I'm going to eat three more extra slices. And especially Lisa Payne's desserts. They're really good if you haven't had them, right? She bakes everything. Um, but I think there comes a time where sometimes I'm like, man, I'm gaining more weight during the holidays, and I'm not even thinking. I'm just, I think I, I can become gluttonous without even realizing it, right? And I'm not trying to really be legalistic here, saying, oh, you can't eat too many desserts, but I'm just talking about your overall health. You know, how much time are you working out, or how much time are you going on a hike? How much time are you just looking at your, your body as a temple for Christ? Amen? So that's kind of a fine line, but only, again, only you know the answers to that. You know, as I close, you know, let's remember that Christianity is not just a label. You know, it shouldn't be something that we live these mundane, day-to-day lives. You know, if it's like that, you know, I want to encourage you, let's get back into this spiritual battle. Amen? Let's be disciples who not only have the Holy Spirit, but are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, let's live lives that are full of power, full of love, and self-discipline. Amen? Amen. Love you guys. Uh, at this time, we're going to have our South Bay Story segment, and we're going to have our very own Julie Hernandez. She is somewhere. Yes, give a round of applause for her. Julie is a great sister. She's somebody I feel like whenever I'm around her, she always brightens up my day. She's very encouraging, very engaging. I have like this little joke with her. Where's Julie? Oh, there she is. Right, Julie? About water bottles and gas. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and do the South Bay Story segment. Let me check this off. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for Thanks joining us. Hey. Say hi to Julie. Hey, guys. So like I said, Julie's uh, such an encouraging sister. Uh, I feel like she definitely works in the background. If you don't know already, she is uh, one of our shepherds for our singles ministry, a.k.a. our live ministry. Yes. And her and her husband do such a great job. And uh, when I asked her, um, I mean, she was excited. And, uh, <laughs> and she's like, send me the questions early, which I hope I, yeah, I did. But um, we're going to go ahead and ask you a few questions here. So I want to ask uh, Julie, uh, what's kind of the version, short version of how you became a Christian and how you found our church? Um, I was uh, about 23 years ago, and I went to go visit my Aunt Renee at her job. And I had little baby Sid uh, in a stroller with me, and uh, her my aunt's co-worker's daughter was there, and she was inviting everybody to church. And um, the thing is that I had met that woman like a year prior. And um, had I known that she was going to be at that lunch, I would not have come because she had come to my baby shower. She got totally drunk. Oh she loves me. She loves it when I tell the story, so it's okay. But she <laughs> raided my stash, was totally drunk, inappropriate, loud, all that stuff, obnoxious. And so if I had known she was going to be there, I wouldn't have come, but now she was a disciple, 
And I have to say that before because her whole demeanor was completely different. I mean, she just was a totally different person. So right. when she was inviting everybody to church, I'm like, okay, well, she's different now. And, and she's like, I heard you're looking for a church, which I only said that to God. I didn't tell that to anybody else. So, um, so she invited me out, but it still took seven months of her, wow. amen, calling me faithfully amen. and um, getting me out there. Finally, I came. And then once I got here, um, just the fact that everyone was so enthusiastic and I could tell they really believed the, the, the minister, they were living it, and it just felt like home. There were families there. And uh, now I'm, you know, pregnant with my second uh, baby now, and I'm like, baby number I two. Baby number two, then, and um, and so I came out to Bible, you know, Bible study, and they um, studied the Bible with me, and um, so then I had to really wrestle with some things with my um, just forgiveness and anger, and uh, but I was happy to finally have some direction because I tried to study the Bible on my own and just figure it out. It was just really hard for me to figure out what does God want me to do, mm. so. Um, having women to kind of take me topic by topic and a disciple and, and the word of God and, and all of that. And then helping me wrestle with, um, it's easy to have all this list of like, I'm angry at this person. I have to forgive this person. But then when I saw all my own sin mm. and go, Oh wow, God's going to forgive me of all of that right. and how I hurt God made it a lot easier for me to then, you know, forgive and let go a lot of my anger. So, right. 1995. Amen. Let's give a hand for her. 1995. <laughs> so it sounds like it, it, it was the people that, that li were living their lives that way and yeah. kind of influenced you and kind of even just your own sin your, <laughs> when it was yeah. in front of you. Yes, yes. Amen. Um, well, as you look back, uh, since we're talking about the Holy Spirit, how do you feel like the Holy Spirit prompted you um, kind of in your walk with God? Like, what were some areas or times in your life where you feel like the Holy Spirit's calling and you kind of heard his voice. Uh, it's funny you talked about that scripture today because that was kind of what I was just thinking was that I learned you know, at baptism, I got the Holy Spirit, which is the power of uh, love, self-control, right. you know, self-discipline, power, love, and self-discipline. And so um, anytime I'm tempted to you know, walk away or I'm struggling, I just look at my life that I had no power. Mm. Um, I just, I was totally powerless before I had abused, you know, drugs and alcohol in my teens, totally powerless to that. Um, you know, didn't love people, didn't care about people, was, you know, pretty much self-absorbed. Everything was like how it, how it uh, would affect me, you know, and, and my decisions were all about me. I really didn't consider um, my family a lot of times. Um, self-discipline. I mean, I totally was living by my emotions before and, you know, ran off, got married at 18, you know, out of spite, out of rebellion, like, oh, you don't like we're living together? Well, we're going to get married, you know, <laughs> like, and, uh, and just really just out of control. And so having that, like, that is what I will go back to. If I ever leave God, if I ever leave mm. the church, that is who I am. And that is definitely what I will go back to being and probably worse. So, um, then, you know, we're a part of a body, you know, we're baptized into the church, into the body. Right, so right. as um, having the Holy Spirit and all of you guys have the Holy Spirit. So that has helped me so many people in my life kind of ra training me, raising me. You know, I was 22, you know, when I became a Christian. And oh, wow, so I've needed, yeah. I've needed uh, a lot of spiritual moms, spiritual sisters to help me. I, I couldn't go to my family for parenting advice or living advice. I just didn't have that. So I've always kind of 
lost. <laughs> and um, so I think as far as, you know, keeping me close to God, I mean, all you guys have kept me close to God and um, just, you know, given me a lot of, a lot of love. So that's awesome. <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> no, that's great. I didn't know that you got became a disciple at 22. That's cool. Uh, me too, almost. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, just on a fun side here, um, how was your dating relationship in the kingdom? Like, uh, it could be just, you know, what, what you dated in the kingdom like, as a single, <laughs> and where's Mr. Pedro here? He's, there there he is. What, uh, what, kind of, what, a, what a, I guess, attracted you to Pedro? Was it his good looks? Uh, <laughs> was it his charm? I don't see him, but uh, he's I'm right trying to put him on the spot. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Um, was this his basketball skills? I mean, what what was yeah, it? Yeah, uh, right, we, right. we all want to well, know. It's funny. It's funny. <laughs> so we we had one date, and at the first our first date we were on, I was like, oh, this guy's way too young. Forget it. Like I was thirty, he's five years younger. I have given him many gray hairs to make him now look older than me. Thank God. <laughs> but um, so at the time, he's twenty five. I'm thirty with two. I'm like, oh, okay, this is gonna be just a fun date, and that's it. Um, and then you know, five years, you know, years later, we kind of had some interaction and you know, got to know him a little bit, but um, then came a point where I had to go to a, a, a work, a wedding, and I could bring a date, and I was like, who's a brother that's laid back, easygoing, easy to talk to, it's not gonna you know, feel weird at some party he doesn't know any, you know, I'm like, oh, Pedro's pretty cool to hang out with, so I called him up, and sure enough, you know, he showed up, you know, met me there in his nice suit, and looked pretty, was you he know. nervous? No, it wasn't. He was nervous? Okay, he was laid back. He doesn't okay. get nervous. Yeah, so he was just totally <laughs> So he was laid back from the beginning. Like, not, you know, and I'm nervous. I don't know. I'm nervous. I don't know people. Right. It's just my boss, you know. So um, so then in talking, that's kind of where our friendship sort of started. And then he would call me periodically. And mm -hmm. I was a single mom then, right? So, I mean, I was really involved with the kids. So he just, just let me know what the singles were up to if I wanted to come, you know. So then... Um, then we, then we just dated here and there and built a friendship. But it was, you know, over time, mostly all over the phone or here and there because, I mean, I was involved with my kids. So right. what, um, what finally drew me to him was seeing just what a servant he, he is. I don't want to say was. He is. He's always the first one there. He's always the last to leave. Right. Um, he's not out for himself. He's always looking yeah. at other people's needs. So, um I had been married, you know, nine years before and to someone who, like, we just eventually just had totally different paths. Like, there wasn't unity in how we wanted to raise our kids. There wasn't unity in how we wanted to live our life or help people or any of that. Right. Um, so, you know, having that kind of discord or just this disunity in the family where you, this person just doesn't understand what you're passionate about. And then, you know, being around Pedro and knowing like this, he loves God. He loves God more than anything. He loves helping people more than anything. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't, you know, he really wasn't intimidated by the fact I had two preteens, you know, right. two preteens. And, you know, my ex was in the picture. He's an involved dad. And, you know, we had to do the change off with kids. And, mm -hmm. you know, he wasn't threatened by that. He wasn't intimidated by that. He was just like I'll jump on the roller coaster Man. and um, I'm like I'm a I was the only child you know no no cousins and he's the last of nine kids wow. so I'm thinking like oh wow. I have all this chaos with my two kids he's like Psh, I got I've you know, been grew up around 100 cousins like that oh was not <laughs> I was not scaring him away with my two little sweet angels I was not running him off so oh my <laughs> that's crazy you had, a, yeah. you had nine kid, nine uh, brothers and sisters He's we have to interview you next time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's crazy to hear. Um, yeah, so he was, uh, he was a man up for the, up for the task. So. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, well, I want to ask you, just, uh, just out of just my personal curiosity, how, many, uh, like how, long, how long did it take for him to date, and how long did it take to, 
I guess until you, you got um, we I'm just curious. See, yeah, trying to think. We we built a friendship felt like forever. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no, I think um, yeah, we built it for about nine months or so. Okay. We just were like friends and a couple dates, and then we dated for a year and a half before okay. we got married. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's give uh, Julie another hand. <laughs> um, I just, I'm really encouraged by Julie. Uh, I feel like the uh, the singles ministry that we really look up to you guys and just how Aww. sacrificial they are. They're always at the guys. end of devos and Pedro's really good with all the brothers. And so um, I feel like you guys are really good examples. Aww, so thank you. you um, um, I want to quickly just kind of transition to communion. If you guys want to turn your Bibles or just listen um, in John chapter 16, verse seven. It says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going to go away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And a lot about talking about the Holy Spirit, you know, it's, it's amazing to remember that Jesus said, hey, I have to go, I have to die for you to have the Holy Spirit. You know, he knew that this world was tough. And you know, I, I think just how tough and, and simple it was. So he wanted to give us this advocate, the Holy Spirit. And I think because just kind of in light of communion right now, I want us to kind of think about um, Jesus is a sacrifice. And because he died, we're able to have this Holy Spirit. And um, I don't know about you guys, but the Holy Spirit has helped me. And so many times that I didn't know how I was going to get through it. And so as we meditate and as we pray, let's remember kind of Jesus' sacrifice for us and that it's not in vain and that we do have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Generally, Father, God, thank you for just this time together again. Uh, thank you for just being able to uh, read and learn more about the Holy Spirit and how that wasn't a free gift. Um, it costed everything for you. It costed your son, Jesus. And, and God, I pray that we don't take that lightly. And as we take communion and, and take the bread and, and the juice, that we can really remember what that price was. And it was the son of uh, your son, Jesus. So, Father, I pray that we could uh, really be in tune with the Holy Spirit as we start our week. Um, help us in areas that we're weak at. I pray that we can listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Uh, thank you for all the brothers and sisters here. Uh, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 